This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, boys, um, interesting game last night, to say the least. Uh, a lot of a lot of people's thoughts were out there and uh, luckily, uh, I said, as I tweeted out earlier, I think common sense prevailed in the end after everyone calmed down a little bit. But um, first of all, how are you guys doing? Um, Ross, how are you doing? Um, after that result, um, I'm doing fine, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprisingly. Uh, well, maybe I've got to fall back for a while. I'm not. I'm not too disappointed with that result. Of course, it wasn't great, but hey, we'll get we'll get into that in a bit. Before we introduce uh, Joe, uh, Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, if you'd have told me last night it would be a four goal thriller, I, I would have hoped it wouldn't have uh, been in the fashion that it actually was. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of them, and uh, I suppose we'll get into it, <laughs> into it shortly, won't we? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, before we get into the game, obviously the club just released all of their end of season awards, you know, goal of the year, player of the year, um, and of course the fans of the year awards as well. So if you haven't submitted your votes for that, please do. Um, we have ourselves um, and, you know, it's important to do that because, of course, it matters a lot to the players and the fans who do win it, so make sure you do that. Um, okay, 4-0 defeat away to Lincoln. Deary me. Um, the first half was actually all right, I thought. Yes, didn't have a shot on target. Yes, the Lincoln commentators thought we were terrible. Surprise, surprise. But I thought we just created some decent chances. Unfortunately, they all fell to Matty, who did take the most of them. It would have been nice if they fell to uh, Grig or the likes of maybe Matt O'Reilly or Fraser, but hey-ho. Uh, came out second half and, um, well, we went a bit pear-shaped, didn't it? I actually think Michael Appleton... I don't think we did come out second half, Liam. Well, well, maybe not the right man of them, but I thought Michael Appleton actually did a really good job. Um, I thought his game plan worked to a T to be honest um, they pressed us a lot more intent than I think they did in the first half of course we had a lot of the ball in both halves really um, but you know Lincoln especially the, the front three of uh, Johnson Rogers and uh, Scully you know did a better job of what he did in the first half and of course the man who should have been sent off in the first half scored the first second half hat-trick uh, to put them 3 nil up and then there's a Ronaldo-esque free kick to make it 4-0 which of course would happen in that Um and I suppose the telling stat from a Don's perspective for that game is he didn't have a shot on target the whole match, uh, despite 6-6% possession. So not the best outing in the world, boys, was it? But um, Ross, I'm sure there's not really a way to sugarcoat it. It was a terrible performance, really, second half-wise, wasn't it? Yeah, as you say, Liam, I'm not going to dive into any stats because it's, it's, it's not looking pretty. And uh, I know the uh, people who are anti-stats um, will love love to hear that. But um, yeah, going on to the performance, first half, their warning signs were there. And Harry Darling trying to play out the back. Yeah, fair play. It was, we, we're sticking to our own ways and we're getting caught. And as I say, yeah, it was really uh, an eye-opener as such in that first half. And then in the second half, Lincoln done the, done the business. But 
going going back to that the yellow card well the two yellow cards incidents it's ridiculous how he's on even on the pitch i know it's all about what ifs but i'm sorry we joe mentioned it before about obviously bob, bob uh, madly being the premier league ref and all this but that's a shocking decision anywhere anywhere else in the pitch late on that would have been yellow in my eyes and um I'm not sure how it's not given, but looking after that, yeah, as you said, Liam, they had a game plan and uh, they executed it very well. Yeah, good. Well, I was also good to see Bob Matty back in uh, football after a little break, but was this best performance, was it? Um, even after the red card, the third pen- the penalty for their third goal was not a penalty. Admittedly, Dan Harvey shouldn't be doing what he's doing in the box, uh, really, in any game, um, but it wasn't a penalty, let's be honest. So Rogers made the most out of that. Um, Joe, you mentioned about them not turning up in the second half, so I'm sure your uh, thoughts on the game in general uh, can't have been too glamorous either. No, no, I mean, you know, you can't really sugarcoat that. And it, it but at the end of the day, it, it wasn't necessarily an awful evening. It was a bad 20 minutes, and they took full advantage of that that 20 minutes. It's um, you know, and maybe we'll go, go and mention it a bit more. But you look at crew, the crew game it was a bad 10-minute spell and all of a sudden you find yourself staring down the barrel. Um, and I think, you know, it's what can you put that down to experience, perhaps? Um, you know, it, it, but it just shouldn't, it shouldn't get to that stage in the first place. And one other thing I think is, you know, we're, I'm sure we're all guilty of it, but, you know, we, I know we, of course, this is an MK Don's podcast, so we're going to be looking at ourselves. But I think sometimes you've got to look at the opposition and say, yeah, oh yeah, they played actually quite well. And yeah, I mean, losing to Lincoln, okay, there's no shame. Maybe the manner about how we did it, yeah. But let's let's say that, that it wasn't the best performance. But I mean, they're, they're fourth in the league. They're you know well in with a shout of promotion. And the two that you know two players that were actually the difference makers for them in the final third were Marvin uh, was um, I forget his first name Rogers uh, Morgan Rogers. Um, who's an 18-year-old from Man City and an England under-19s international, and Brennan Johnson, a Nottingham Forest player, who's um, last week was playing in the Wales national team. So it's not as if, um, you know, we've we've gifted everything completely to them. They they did have a touch of class about them. And like you said, you know, they Appleton sort of turned up the tempo second half. They, and after a sort of measured first half, they really came out all guns blazing and we just sort of, it was almost as if the first goal went in, our heads just went down. Um, but yeah, not good enough from us, but I do think Lincoln do deserve credit. Yeah, I saw some stats about Brennan Johnson. He's literally mimicking or even just about bettering the season that Delhi Addy had for us uh, another promotion season from the League One Championship. So that just shows you how good some of the players at Lincoln side are. Um, and yeah, I went on. I went on several Lincoln, um, you know, shows, podcasts, saying how I feel they'd be comfortable in the playoffs. And lo and behold, they're now fourth in the playoffs. And I think they've got a pretty easy run heading into, besides maybe Peterborough and Hull. Um, listen, they're, they're a quality team, and if anything, the hope is that we can attract players like Rogers and Johnson going forward, um, because you know clubs will see the style of football we play. Yes, it wasn't the best show of it last night, but there were elements that were good. Um, and you know, we track the type of players. Um, Joe, you mentioned about the sort of need to score that first goal, and I mentioned to you boys pre-recording about this mentality of scoring the first goal. I mean, I'm interested to get your thoughts a bit more. Um, so I passed it over to Ross. Do you think that you know? Of course, we saw the f- Lincoln score the first goal for Johnson, and everyone's head seems to just drop. Do you think that the players are being drilled in this first goal mentality? If they don't get it, it's really like dampening their spirits and leading to play- games like the Lincoln game. Uh, I agree with you to somewhat a degree in the sense of earlier on in the season, it was unacceptable and uh, we were conceding within the first 20 minutes um, several times. And yes, in a sense, it plays on everyone's mind, maybe not the new recruits, Um but I think if you're going to develop as an individual, you've got to get over that curb. And I think um, Russ mentioned it post-match in the sense of, um, I thought we actually got over this, this stage. But I'd rather, as everyone said yesterday after the match, I'd rather it happen now and we, we feel disappointed now instead of next season. Because obviously 
we've got high hopes next season of obviously trying to push into that top six, maybe more. Um, but going back to your situation of whether it's a characteristic as such, I don't feel like it. we should dwell on it as, as much as we should because of, as Joe mentioned, once one, one went in, heads dropped and then it, we capitulated as such. Yeah, I mean, this, has, this isn't the first time it's happened since January, though. Of course, the Shrewsbury game, different stage of the game, Italy, but that was the exact same. You know, we can see the one and then the calamity and mistakes were suddenly 3-0 down and, uh, well, struggling to get back into the game, basically. So, Joe, obviously, this isn't happened. This isn't the first time this has happened. Um, do you sort of emulate Ross's thoughts on, I suppose, it's not happening this season, not next, and is it not a mentality issue for you? Um, I mean, yeah, of course. You, I think with this season, not not done and dusted, but you know, not much riding on it in terms of you know up, you know, the the top end and the and the lower end of the table. And I think, um, yeah, you if you had to choose, you yeah, you would say you'd rather it this season. Um, but I think it's it's a difficult one because you know the players obviously don't want to lose, and you know they obviously are. It's it, 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 it's, it is a strange one because it's not as if we were up to that point as well. I think Lincoln scored with their first four shots, like in the whole game. Not not shots because and and their second two goals. One of them was a penalty that we've already said was incredibly soft, and the other one was you know Fish makes a save, hits the post and hits him on the back. It's just it's one of them. Um, where you just kind of just look at it, laugh about it and move on because it's, you know, if you don't laugh, you cry. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it, it's a, it is a weird one. And, you know, we have been much better recently at keeping a tight ship um, in the in this sort of first 20 minutes and playing our way into games. Um, but then, you know, if a team also is playing their way into it and, you know, maybe if if because because as well, what, what I remember, for instance, in the Burton game, when we did concede first, it was early on. Um, this is a Burton at home, and then they they had a period where they kept on pushing, kept on pushing, but then we sort of it almost took us about about twenty minutes to actually just sort ourselves out. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe they just sort of struck Lincoln just struck while the iron was hot, so to speak. It's a difficult one because. I don't know what you can put it down to as such, because it's not as if all the goals we're conceding are the same. It was, like I say, there's a couple of just weird ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just thought, because Russ mentioned, mentioned it, it was like a uh, like an anxiety when you take the, the first goal. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get that. Um, but, you know, as I said, it's happened more than once this season and more than once since any recruits came in. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's transferred down to the new guys or it literally is just, uh, you know, it's always happened again. There's nothing into it. But yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen every week, that's for sure. Um, and we've seen the team bounce back from a similar position um, earlier in the season. So we can only assume and hope that they do the same. A group of um, people at the club I do feel sorry for a little bit is the coaching staff at the moment. Um, as we've had them, had them on the podcast, the majority of them, they're quite an honest bunch and they're happy to admit that. And of course, they've been very forward in terms of what the end of season plans are for some players and some people have liked that, some people haven't. Um, but, you know, these last five or six games, as I mentioned, they're so important for next season. I'm interested to get your guys' thoughts on is, because obviously yesterday was just wasn't good, especially the second half. Um, do you think that maybe some of the fringe players who maybe have said, you know, that they're not basically not here next season, essentially, and that that could affect the guys that actually are starting. It may seem a bit drastic to say that, but of course, they are a squad of players. At the end of the day, they develop relationships with people, and you know, there'll be some people that are also looking elsewhere. They have other contract offers. Um, you know, not mentioned names, but there's a fairly number of players who have publicly that's been outed out. So, um. Ross, what are your thoughts on that in terms of have we been not too honest with the players, but do you feel that this honesty has kind of shot us at the back a little bit in terms of how the team's been playing against Lincoln especially? 
I don't think he's got absolutely anything to do with that in in one slight bit. Um, Russ has made it clear that um, he's obviously there to win every single game and he fields the best team possible. And at the end of the day, I trust even when Kasumu came on, uh, we, we've got players coming off the bench who uh, who can make an impact at the end of the day. But you talk about these fringe players. Yes, every squad has these fringe players and I think that's just a case of making up um, the numbers as such. But without obviously sounding harsh of making up the numbers, it's still to be competitive at the same time. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's got anything to play, um, play a part in the in what you've just said, Liam. But going forward, um, as as we've mentioned in previous uh, episodes, this squad's so young compared to others. And if you took Louis out of the lineup, and obviously Sirs, where would the experience come from? This is what what I'm trying to get at, and it's just learning on the job at the moment. Oh yeah, there's no doubt the likes of you know like Harry Darling, Zach Jules. Uh, Matty Riley, players like that, whose who's long term commitment at the club is secure, you know, they're of course 100%, and there's no one's doubting that. I just saw a few areas of the fan base who maybe questioned that. Um, that's why I brought it up, uh, not a personal opinion on the matter. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, Joe, anything to add to that, or did Ross cover it pretty well for you? Yeah, I think I, I agree, and I think that, um, you know, there, there maybe has been talk about players perhaps. You know, maybe looking for a move in the summer, or you know, they they might be out of contract and looking to go to a championship or Premier League club. Well, if they're playing like that, I don't think anyone's going to be that interested. <laughs> you know, if they're throwing in the odd performance like that, it's not exactly a good sign. So, I think there's something to play for for everyone in that team. You've got players in that team that will be wanting to prove to Russ and the coaching staff. You know, no, 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 I'll, I'll be your number one in this position next season. Don't worry, don't, don't, you don't need to look for anyone in the summer. I'm good enough to start next season here. Then you'll have other players that are maybe fighting for, you know, who, who maybe they might have ambitions of higher. You know, they might be thinking if I put in a real good, you know, into the season, I could maybe attract some championship clubs. I could maybe, you know, continue my development elsewhere, which is fair enough. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't think anyone's got anything to gain from not, Busting the gut and putting hundred percent in, so yeah, I I I don't think um, you know because and, and these fringe players we're talking about, you know, well if they're perhaps not getting a new deal here, then why would you know why wouldn't they be busting the gut and really going for it? Because <laughs> you know they're going to be needing to kind of convince someone to sign them up for next year. Um, so no, I don't really buy into that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, sort of bring it up. And I think the only argument with the fringe players is it's probably because they're not getting game time. Maybe that's why. Um, but hey ho, if they're not getting game time, they're probably not good enough. Um, that's what I one... just want to mention before you I'm change the topic. Um, whenever we actually lose, I feel like there's always someone to blame for the defeat in the sense of people going to the lengths of fringe players for, the, for why we lost yesterday. And it's like, just take it that Lincoln, as Joe said, Lincoln were the better side and we got outplayed on the day and that's the be all and end all at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, me and Ross, we, I'm not going to mention names, but we saw comments of certain players come back to the team and they're injured. Like, it doesn't it it take, like, a knowledgeable... A knowledgeable person would know that, so... Yeah, maybe maybe everyone came out after a few you know, a few losses and I started to give their opinions again, um, which are, of course some are welcome, some aren't really. Um, but as you mentioned earlier in the episode, you know there were some people who actually had a bit of common sense last night and actually saw the bigger picture. And um, yeah, basically didn't take the result to heart because uh, <laughs> at this point there's not very much point in doing that because there's nothing to play for points wise anyway. Um, you mentioned how players take the opportunity, Joe. Uh, one player that I felt did uh, was Matty Saranola. Of course, a lot of talk about him, what's he doing. But I felt last night he was the best player on the pitch from our point of view. Um, Attacking-wise, was excellent. I think he gave all delivery that the likes of Grigg and Ev, Ev et al. needed. Um, they seemed to put it away. Um, so I'm interested to get a few we talk about uh, this left-wing position and either Matty Saranola or Dan Harvey every single episode. Um, but... Joe, was was Sarola your like shining light from Tuesday night, if any? 
Um, I think it was positive because I think before Dan Harvey came back in, I think Soren only he had two really good games, the Plymouth and the... Uh, where did he get three assists? Northampton? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he had two really good games. And then I thought that the next two, he, he, he just looked a bit flat. And then Dan Harvey came in, had a couple really good games. And then Matty's come back in and he's had another really good game. So it's like, you know, they, they, neither of them are really, you know, cementing their place. But I mean, I think I think both of them are putting in half-decent performances. Um, I think with Sorinola, just one thing that, you know, we that was kind of lacking in the, his previous two starts was just, uh, you know, crosses, just getting the ball in and causing... I think one thing Russ said that was quite... Um, you know, it, it made sense. He said, we don't make the opposition actually defend enough at times. And this is one thing I just wanted to mention to you guys, um, and just, you know, see, see, get your opinions on this. But from my point of view, what we, I think technically we're absolutely fantastic. But maybe last night we saw that with without the likes of Cameron Jerome or, you know, someone that can maybe, has a bit of pace that can run in behind, it felt like the the goals, two goals that Lincoln scored from open play. It came from you know electric pace. It came from counter attacks, and it came from the ability to turn sort of a normal situation within five seconds and getting on the front foot. And I look at our team, and I think we've got some absolutely fantastic players. There's no doubt about it. However, you know a Matt O'Reilly or a Scott Fraser, they'll they'll you know thread thread a ball through the other needle. However, if someone's not making runs in behind or causing trouble to the, you know, causing the defence loads of aggravation, you know, Will Grigg was probably the, one of the quietest men on the pitch, you know, um, last night. And I just think we, do, do you think we we lack maybe a bit of physicality, not not so much physicality, but I mean, pace, power and the ability to take, to turn sort of something into, nothing into something. Yes, um, and unfortunately, that pace and power is injured, uh, which is the problem. Um, you know, me and me and Ross are very vocal about wanting to see Charlie Brown start games going forward. Does he, have, does he have? Okay, well there you go then. Does he have the physicality? I'm not 100 percent sure, but does he have the pace and is he good in the channels? Yes and yes. Um, I mean, we said ourselves was choose the right game for him. On reflection, maybe. I mean, any, I think anything would be better than what we saw. Um, and is the same question for Saturday. I'm not really sure, to be honest. You know, but yeah, something. I'm, I'm something has to change in that front line. I think Will Grigg is brilliant as a duo up top with I saw him with Jerome towards the start of the time here, and he's excellent. You know, two goals, three assists in the games that he played in the four, the first four or five. But since then, he's not really done a lot. And, you know, Jerome's injury is unfortunate, but I don't think Bill Griggs is good enough for a one-striker formation. Um, and he'll probably get the start again on Saturday and we'll probably see, I hate to say it, a very, a very similar performance from uh, the current Sunderland players alone from us. Um, and if anything, that does slight see Charlie Brown fire even more for me and potentially the return to the 3-5-2, which we'll get onto a bit later. Um, Ross, I don't need to add to that. Nailed it on the head, Liam. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, we pretty much agreed off our thoughts, didn't we, from the previous episode? So I'm not surprised by that answer at all. Um, we kind of drifted away a bit from uh, Matty, so, I know, so I'll, I'll pass it over to you, Ross, and your thoughts on uh, Matty and how you thought he did on Tuesday night. Yeah, I, f- I felt he played really well, especially in that first 20 minutes, forcing Regan Paul to obviously press him high. And he was skinning him every single time. And the yellow card, was actually out of frustration because the Sorinola had him where he wanted him. And it was actually really nice to see because obviously Sorinola, we've we've seen that he hasn't got the pace and he hasn't got as much pace as what Harvey's got. Um, he doesn't, doesn't often try and beat his man. But yesterday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, um, he actually tried that. And as you said, Liam, he was he was probably the our most bright spark of the game. Yeah, yeah. I think in a few in a game, a few of Sparks for us, he was definitely the brightest one. And um, yeah, interested to see what Russ thinks had a Pompey. Um, I believe 
with Ethan Lairs and our Charlie Daniels to mark, which uh, that'll be fun for him because he's quite a pacey player and uh, Charlie Daniels isn't exactly um, the most pacey player anymore. Um, but yeah, that left-hand side is a lot more interesting. So I'm looking forward to see what Russ has plans for there. Um, mentioned it briefly um, and I talked to a few fans on Twitter last night regarding this. Um, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on the return to 3 5 especially with... Cammy Jerome out now for what's looking like the majority of the season. Obviously, there's not many games left, but anything, anything that only ignites this more, in my opinion. So, I think we need to see Greg and Brown up front together. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Greg signing permanently in the summer. Um, and, of course, these past few games in against Ipswich and Lincoln, he hasn't really done impress me too much as a lone striker. Um, so, Joe, what are your thoughts on returning to the three-five-two and having Grigg and Brown up front together for at least a few games this season to close out and see what it looks like? Yeah, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, that's what I've gone for. Um, I think, um, I, th- I think um, our pressing, I think our pressing is really, really good when we when we're in a three-five-two. Um, I thought our pressing was actually really good last night. I was looking at the the Lincoln goalkeeper and. I think he, the amount of long balls that he played and lost, you know, just because of the pressure he was under. So I just, to, just you know, just to, thought I'd mention that because I saw a couple of people maybe questioning the desire or passion of the players last night. But I mean, I, I thought they were running around certainly enough and they were, I, to me, they were trying. Um, I think with the two formation, it's it's more who misses out in midfield that it causes the bigger issue for me. Um and I think as well, when you look at it in the past two games, we haven't scored a goal. Um, we have created some half decent chances, but maybe there comes a point where you just you just tweak things, you try things out. Um, who knows? It might be that Russ's preferred formation is actually the three-five-two, but maybe he's thought that the personnel this season was more suited towards a different formation. So you know, we don't know. I think that you know maybe. Will Kasumi be ready to potentially play the single pivot on his own and McEachern and Sermon are rested? Who knows? But I think, yeah, there's certainly options. That's one good thing about this, you know, this this set of players. You know, we may only have uh, Grigg and Brown to choose from up front, but, well, and Mason, of course. Um, but there is plenty of options in that midfield that give you flexibility in how, how we set up. So, yeah, I think I, I wouldn't be against the return to the two because you know why not yeah I mean Joe you mentioned about the midfielders and who would you drop uh, Ross if you had to choose one midfielder out of the four who would you drop and maybe why tough one um, <laughs> obviously Fraser and Matt O'Reilly they're just undroppable um, on their day and obviously Sermon and McEachran are very good players um, when we need them to be. I would probably say McEachran, just about. Um, it's very close between him and Sermon. I just feel like Sermon has that balance to his game. Um, he, Yes, he's not as mobile as what McEachran is, but um, when we need we need everything to calm, he brings that calmness and that presence in that midfield, which we need. And, I just feel like if he keeps things ticking over as such. But um, I just thought I'd chuck in there. Why don't we revert to the 4 4 2 then? Because <laughs> we don't have any wingers. That's fine. <laughs> I, was, I, I just saw a few formations last night, which made me uh, chuckle. Oh, last yeah. Night. I know which one you mean. Yeah, we haven't got Oliver <laughs> at front, unfortunately. So 4 4 2 <laughs> wouldn't work. But yeah, uh, going back to your form, um, back to the 3 5 2 situation. The reason why we actually dropped it was because we're quite vulnerable defensively. So it'll be interesting to see how much we've actually improved on the defensive front if we do revert back to the three-five-two, because of as we've all mentioned, it offers a different dimension going forward. Also, yeah, I think we've seen a little sneak peek what will happen because obviously Kaz has been coming on former Kekker and um, and you know Kaz was that guy in the pivot, wasn't he? All for the first half of the season, he played so well. So, yeah, I'd be very surprised if we didn't revert to type in terms of Cass and the pivot and then, you know, probably Sermon and... Sorry, not Sermon, Fraser and O'Reilly in front of them. Um, so, yeah, makes sense, Ross. I agree with you. Um, okay, I mean, that's just, link. Also, go on, Joe, carry on. Just, just one more thing, just on Kasumu. Um, congratulations to David Kasumu on reaching 10 yellow cards in the season. 
Um, very <laughs> impressive in just 15 starts. Um, so that's, yeah, joint second in the league. Um, also, just a, a, a notable one there, Stuart O'Keefe. He has um, 10 as well in 13 starts and six substitute appearances. So, God, could you imagine a midfield duo of them too? Yeah, Stuart O'Keefe just embracing in a David Kasubi with his yellow cards for sure. But yeah, uh, congrats <laughs> to David. For a guy who doesn't get yellow cards or doesn't try to anyway, he uh, certainly makes a good effort of it, that's for sure. Okay, uh, that review, well, that wraps up our LinkedIn review quite nicely. Um, before myself and Ross go chat to Hugh from the Peer Forecast, um, Joe, why don't you give us your sort of thoughts on the Pompey game coming up on Saturday lunchtime and some lineup and score predictions for us? Yeah, I think um, I don't think anyone sort of expected a turnaround as, as quick as as quick as has happened under the Cowleys, and I'm sure that you know from your chat we'll we'll hear a lot more about it. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Um, I think that I've got, in terms of lineup, I've actually gone for the five, uh, three five two. Um, so and I've gone for I've gone for Sorinola. I think he played well enough to stay in the team. Um, and I've also gone I've gone Kasumu straight in for that single pivot because I think you know he's got a few more minutes. What have we got to lose? I don't know. Let's just go for it. Um, <laughs> but a midfielder Kasumu, O'Reilly, and Fraser—we've not actually seen that before, so it could be fun or could be <laughs> who knows um and i've gone for greg and brown up front i'd like, I'd like to see them too um in terms of how the game will play out i think it's yeah as i said it's gonna be a tough game um i think you know I, I, it'll be tight i think it'll be one goal either way i don't think we're going to be blown away but i don't think we're we're not going to blow them away um i think russ is going to be wanting a reaction so i'm going to go for a, a solid one all draw but for me, I just want to see a good, good, good positive performance, and it, I just want to see plenty of chances created. And because I think one thing we've lacked in the past two games is well, no Ipswich. I, I think we did all right, um, but yeah, yesterday, you know, for all the ball, we just didn't do enough with it for me. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go 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 with that. Okay, three, five, two. Interesting. Uh... I don't want to spoil anything, but me and Ross um, went a bit differently um, with that prediction. Um, so, yeah, wait, wait and see this, hear about that. Um, but that brings us to the end of part one, and we'll take a little break before we go into part two. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back and welcome back to the latest opposition overview. Um, welcome Pompey team and count Saturday. And we're delighted to be welcomed by Hugh from the Peer Forecast Talk Everything Pompey. So Hugh, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Liam. I've been on you on your you've been on my show, sorry. Uh, and I'm doing the favour to come back onto yours, and I can't wait to talk about Pompey and uh, the upcoming game on Saturday. Yeah, me and Ross are looking, to, looking forward to diving into some things like Pompey. Of course, a lot's changed since we last spoke on, on your own podcast and ours. Um, but first of all, I suppose, just take us through how Pompey's season's gone since we last played. Well, it's been, it's been, a, long it's been time. a roller coaster. Where do I start, boys? Let's roll it back, Kenny Jacket. You know, I was on, I've been talking to other teams about this at the time and people said to me, I was on the uh, the third tier podcast with the guys like Matt from Jewels in the Blood and those guys in the League One show. And uh, they said to me at the time, this is before Danny Cowley came in, who's the best players we should watch out for with Pompey? You know, what, what's the danger man, etc." And I said, there isn't one. The team was it, just impotent, directionless, rudderless. Insert whatever objective you want to into that space, which is a negative, because that's what the team was playing like. And it was kind of bad because you looked at the players that we've got, you know, the likes of Tom Naylor, Ben Close, Jack Watmore, Marcus Harness, Ronan Curtis, and you thought, this team can't get the ball forward. It was way too late sacking him. I was calling for the manager's head on ITV Meridian at the end of the playoffs on video, which is funny, so family saw it. Um, and, you know, they stuck with him too long. In that sense, Pompey didn't have a way of passing the ball forward. So you guys have a great way of passing, a sort of a philosophy, you know, um, and, and Pompey just didn't have that. So insert Danny Cowley. And what was really weird about that was that it came against, the game against Salford seemed to be the trigger, losing in the, the Tim Pot Pizza Cup trophy 
for a year that didn't even matter anymore. It was like playing the so you could be champions for one day, which well done, Gary Neville. Congratulations on that, by the way, you muppet. <laughs> but let's so that that loss apparently was what the board thought. Wait a second, we lost to a League Two team, but I only lost. We were outplayed off the pitch. Danny Cowley comes in. And he, he basically says, right, we're going to change everything that's going on here. We're going to change the philosophy. We're going to start passing out the back. We're going to play to the team strengths. We're going to press high. And you guys will see that. It's a very, it's a bit different the way you do it to how we do it. But it's going to be a completely different type of game now come on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it based off that. It could be quite an entertaining game then for sure. Um, well, you mentioned Cowley. So I'll ask you this question. What's life been like under Cowley of course he's been in charge was it five six games now um so obviously you mentioned about the pressing and passing out the back so what are some key other takes you've taken from these early games under the management first thing he's done is he's come in and reignited the fan base's passion for the football club the fans were so dead on what was going on and everyone could see it needed to be changed and, and it wasn't being changed it was got to the fact where you can't go to games already so it's easily you know fans are already got a reason I suppose to disengage for the, especially some of the fans who maybe you know need to be drawn in a little bit more than other like passionate fans like us who are spending their time on a on a weekday night talking about it Danny Cowley comes in within a week comes straight on our podcast no problems with that at all he steps up comes on the podcast and we have a little chat before and after as well and it's very much about getting everybody on board with the way that we're going to play but not just that, the sort of the responsibilities for the players um, and each individual player improving over time. Little things that you think at a training ground, for instance, are our training ground. It's not bad that Kenny Jackie hadn't been doing. So he, they've basically erected like towers where they can, they can all be there. They can like then watch back all the video footage of each game. There's a lot more analysis going on, a lot more sports science into the approach that we're having now with the Cowleys. So we said about passing out the back. We will look to pass out from the back. Before at goal kicks, it was lump it up long. Hopefully someone gets their head on it back and then we take control with our fast wingers. Now you'll see both defenders splitting wide and you'll see that we'll try and pass the ball left, right and then play out from the back from there. It's very different. And it's sort of that sort of wide triangles approach um, to football, um, which Danny Cowley you know, wanted to put his, uh, put his foot on really and uh, stamp it into these players. An interesting point that we've had a lot from our season, especially, is do you think Pompey under Cowley do possession with purpose or do you think it's just passing around the back and doing not doing too much with it? What are your thoughts on that? It's about pushing up the, up the pitch and winning the ball back high press, really, in that sense. Um, and I think the players have maybe struggled a little bit to do that over 90 minutes, even when it has been successful. So obviously it's a different sort of system, but... When you're playing a game, I'm trying to think about Rochdale, for instance. Uh, we press them very high up the pitch and Rona Curtis closes down the keeper in order to make a turnover. So he basically then drills it up the pitch and the, the whole team presses more as a unit going forward. So it's very much a press, but then try and pass out quickly. We've got quick wingers. We've got the likes of Marcus Harness on one side, Ronan Curtis uh, on the other side if he's not starting up front. And then basically it's trying to get them into dangerous positions by playing key passes and passing through. So it's not about passing around the back in your own half for no reason. It's about passing with purpose and enabling our attacking players to get into good situations where they move the ball quickly to each other to split defences and create uh, goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, I ask that question because sometimes I think, as Don's fans, sometimes think we... Don't do do that really. Try and pass for purpose sometimes. So uh, yes, yeah, it's interesting to hear that Cowley's managed to implement that so quickly within this Pompey side. Um, so based off all that, I assume the fans have taken really well to Cowley so far. Yeah, he's even started following all the Pompey fans you can find on Twitter, for instance. And uh, little little touches like that do make a difference. Um, coming on our podcast, you know, speaking to other fans, was being out and about. I mean. Yeah, he's, he's made a big difference and he's sort of galvanised the fan base. Now, it is odd. I don't know if you guys know that he's only on a, him and Nicky Cowley because they are really a unit, really. Everyone says Danny Cowley because it's uh, he's the frontline manager. But actually, they're, they're a duo that come together and Nicky does as much work behind the scenes as, as Danny does, really. Uh, Danny's just got the, uh, the silver tongue of being a great manager in that sense as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a difficult... So I forgot what I was going on about then. I literally started going off on a tandem about Nicky Cowley. <laughs> what was the question again, Liam? 
Um, I asked about how's the fans' reactions to it, or you mentioned about oh, him following fans on Twitter. Yeah, that makes sense. So he, so basically, that's what's happened. That he's he has galvanised the fan base behind behind them. Really, the odd thing is they're only signed to the end of the season. They're only given a contract to the end of this season. We've got six games okay. left to go now. I mean, sign the man up. Sign the men up, sorry. Sign them both up. <laughs> give them a contract. Give them a flat in, in Gunwharf. Whatever you've got to do, get the man over here. Because it's been such a drab amount of years having to talk every week about Kenny Jackets and motionless face. And suddenly you've got people who've come in, not only done well on the pitch, but also done well with the fans. So yeah, everyone's excited really for next season as well as this one. Yeah, no, exactly how you feel. We've had a few the past few seasons have been a pretty, pretty poor, and the managers haven't been too happy with. So yeah, that's exactly what we mean in terms of getting a manager in, getting him in the door, and signing him up for a long term because everyone wants it. End of the day, he wants it as well, though. Liam just put that out there from speaking to him and and Nikki and stuff, and uh, even before we rec- went on live on the podcast, for instance, so we had a good chat. You know, 10, 20 minutes maybe either side of the um the actual live recording just off air. He actually spent the time just chatting to us about what we thought and, you know, valuing the fans' opinion, actually, and asking our, our opinion on stuff, which is cool. But, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times, I suppose, at Pompey, really. Yeah, definitely. I suppose we'll turn our focus more to Saturday now. Um, and I'll move over to Ross, because Ross has highlighted some key players that he wanted to get your opinions on. First of all, I hope you're doing well, mate. Um, and it sounds like... Obviously, Russ has had a similar effect in the sense of um, Danny interaction with the fans. Russ done the exact same thing with us. And at the end of the day, we're all, we're all football fans and uh, we all want one thing and that's to, to succeed as a club. I, I, I do feel like the Cowley brothers will, uh, will take you in that right direction um, if given time. But um, going to this Saturday, um, key players... Um, I just wanted to touch uh, upon your thoughts on Marcus Harness. I know um, he's been a bit inconsistent as such with his form. And going forward, is he part of Danny Cowley's plans? He's got to be. I mean, in my opinion, he's one of our best players for a long way. Marcus has been utilised before incorrectly by Kenny Jacket. And he's even come out and said that Jacket was playing him on the wide right in a 4-4-2 and then was basically asking him, get close as you can near the box and lump it in, or, you know, try and get crosses early into the box and, and that sort of role. And then also don't make those attacking runs that quickly uh, into the box. Don't take that chance, because if you do, you might be defensively letting up on someone else not covering the right back properly. So that's not the best way for who I think is best position as central attacking midfield. Um, he's got quick feet. Great movement. He can shoot from outside or inside the box, likes a one-two, and he'll draw a defender in. And people start backing off him because they're worried. They know he'll skin you, especially at this level. Um, attacking wingers are always a bit inconsistent at League One level. If Marcus played that level consistently, he'd be a top-level championship player. So that that is a little bit of what I think. And Marcus Harness definitely will be part of the long-term future at the club if we get promoted or if we stay in, in League One. The only reason why I asked, sort of, um, I saw a few Pompey fans complaining about you can't um, put three passes together in a game, and it's it's just I just thought I'd question it to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I've, it's uh, it's something that annoys me actually, and I've called it out a fair amount on the podcast, and it's it's, it's one of those things that. Some fans watch football in a really weird way. They're like, oh, Marcus Harness has given the ball away three times there in this game. That's because Marcus Harness is trying to pass that actually might create a goal-scoring opportunity. You know, if you want a load of players that just pass backwards the whole time and never take that chance or never try and beat a defender, good for you. Go watch another football team. But in my opinion, you know, Marcus Harness will take the chance. He will lose the ball sometimes. But another time, that's a ball through to John Marquis or someone else who can score. Well, as you say, it's all about high risk, high reward. Um, but moving on to um, up top, I just want to touch upon uh, John Marquis. Um, obviously, 19 goal goal involvements this season, but he's missed 16 big chances. And is this what's costing you from cementing your uh, playoff place? It's a really odd one with John Marquis because... We haven't got another striker at the moment. I don't know if you're aware of this. He's a, He's been on a three-game ban, so he's just back for it. The red card wasn't red card. We'll go over that. This is not a Pompey podcast. And the fact is, is that John Marquis missed a penalty 
uh, yesterday again. Um, he missed one before that, before he had the break. He's not looking like a striker who's going to score chances. He's a poacher, really, and he should be taking the chances that he's getting. The only thing Pompey fans can hope is that he somehow turns it around and starts scoring. We know he can score, and he tends to start scoring in flutters. So if he scores in the game on Saturday, uh, then he's more likely to start scoring in, in a run of games. But at the moment, he's looked poor. I think that's fair to say. Um, Guy Whittingham's uh, said the same, that he needs to be finishing these chances. Obviously, he's a renowned striker as well as the commentator on on the Portsmouth um, commentary feed. But John Marquis, he is very much a cross fingers and toes at the moment and hope he starts burying some of these chances that are being created for him. Yeah, we don't have anyone else. So Ellis Harrison out for the season. Um, so we don't really have another striker that can come in and play where John Marquis is. So unless you want to start using youth players up front, which is not really the right idea, six games left in the season, he needs to sort it out or hope the other team, other players carry him, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, there. I wouldn't be marking him. Okay. If I had a choice there and I saw Curtis Harness and Marquis bearing down on me, I'd let Marquis go for the run through at the moment. And that's that's what defenders are doing, I think. Yeah, we're in a pretty similar situation. We, we have the two strikers, of course, but um, there's been a whole debate over Charlie Brown's good enough to start yet. Yeah, uh, so we've been playing Wilbrick a lot up front on his own. And in my opinion, isn't really working. Um, because Cammy Jerome's out for the majority of the season and uh, Joe Mason, not sure what's going on there. Um, so yeah, we're in a similar situation up top. So we could be seeing not too many goals on Saturday, which doesn't bode well. Um, but is there any other players that we didn't mention, Ross? So to mention that you want to put a highlight on for Saturday. Yeah, I suppose uh, I think it's worth highlighting, and I'm assuming he'll start Ben Close. Um, he has been frozen out the team on the Kenny jacket this season. You know, he's not not been playing. Obviously, he's a, a Pompey, uh, Pompey lad through, through the academy. He's one of those players that picks the ball up and under the new Cowley system is perfect. He can ping a ball left, right with both feet. Um, he passes very well. Even when we were struggling to get the ball through, uh, the other day against Crew, he would just beat a couple of players and look up. He's calm. Um, so he's very much the Tom Naylor next to him gets a lot of the plaudits for being the combative midfielder and the anchor. But actually, at the moment, Ben Close is going to be the person who sees space on the left and starts switching it. So maybe if you can put pressure on Ben in the centre of midfield and dominate that, it might be able to stop Pompey working the ball out through the middle. Okay, take note, Russ Martin, then for sure. Um... All right then, so we'll transition into our starting 11s or our predictive ones at least for Saturday. Um, Ross, why don't you kick us off from a Don's perspective? Who's in your starting 11 heading into the home game against Pompey? So I've gone unchanged from Tuesday's game. Um, I know it's bold, um, but I'm expecting a, uh, a reaction from the side and I'm, I'm hoping they, they'll put their wrongs right and um, bounce back in an emphatic fashion and hopefully uh, bring the three points along with us. Yeah, I'm thinking on very similar lines. I made the one change. Um, I've gone with Kaz, uh, David Kusumi over Josh McEachern. Um, One a bit more bite in midfield. Um, to the first goal against Lincoln, McEachern just literally gets pushed off the ball and it's an easy chance for Johnson. So, yeah, I think Kaz, is he ready yet? Uh, who knows? But I'm not sure we can, we can afford to keep keep that same sort of theme going in the midfield. So I think Kaz has been a nice compliment to Sirs in terms of one's a bit more aggressive on the ball, the other one's a bit more of a distributor. Um, but yeah, just to run through the team, uh, so Fisher, Louis, Darling, Jules, that's the goalkeeper in the back three. Uh, Led, Sorinoda at wing-backs, and then Kaz and Sirs as the box uh, pivot midfielders. Um, Matt O'Reilly and Fraser as the two in front of them, and we'll go up front. Um, maybe a bit too soon to play a 3-5-2 yet for me. Um, I think this is probably the wrong game for Charlie Brown again. Um, but as you said, hopefully, maybe in the upcoming games against Bristol Rovers, for example, he can come in with Will Grigg up front, go back to the 3-5-2 and uh, see what happens, basically. So uh, you've heard our lineups. Yeah, sorry, played, go on, Hugh, sorry just on. jump in before we get to Pompey. Are you, doing a, are you guys playing basically a 3-5-1-1 then with Scott Fraser in behind the striker? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we call it a box midfield. Um, so instead of having the one pivot midfield that like we did with David Kasumu, um, we've got the two now. Um, so typically that's been Josh McKetcroon and Andrew Sermon. Um, and then in front of them is usually Matt O'Reilly and Scott Fraser. And then, yeah, the striker obviously is in front of them. 
it just basically gives the defense a bit more protection or it has done anyway most games and it gives a bit more license to O'Reilly and Fraser to try and create a bit more um, and typically when we've had Jerome up front it's actually worked really well in terms of scoring goals mm-hmm. uh, but Greg hasn't had the same effect that I would have liked him to have so far to be honest. I mean, isolated Cameron Jerome's a, uh, signing originally when it happened. I laughed out loud. I believe I even said it to you, Liam. And I get reminded from my co-host Andy all the time when it goes in. Oh, look, Cameron Jerome, another goal. Uh, yeah, so he's got 13 or something this season. Obviously, that's a shame he's been that's in the league injured. Will Grigg is a player that needs someone to play up with him, I think. And watching him before at Wigan and Sunderland, he's a player that, and I know this a lot from our talking to our friends over at the Roker Report, that he, he, he needs someone to play off him. I... I don't know, but I'm not convinced Scott Fraser is that person to play up front with him. I really like Scott Fraser, but I think you need if he needs someone around him, doesn't he? Maybe. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but that would be oh, my, no. well, my guess. No, the first two games, Greg and Jerome were so good up front together. So, yeah, I think Greg, was it, I think it was two goals to three assists in the first five games. And he was yeah. playing with Jerome. And the game against Burnley was a standout of that one. But yeah, since he's, since Jerome got injured, we've gone to a box and Greg's a front of his own. He's, he's not the same player, to be honest. He doesn't suit that role. And it's not just the eye test, it's just that it's the numbers as well. Um, you know, we're going to say some numbers for our part one, but yeah, he just can't suit a one striker formation well. And that's why we're kind of hoping a Brown gets involved with him in the later games of the season against some of the lower sided, lower place teams in the division. Um, but I don't think Saturday will probably do that, especially after the way we performed against Lincoln on Tuesday. Um, and what about Matthew um, Serinaloa? Is it Serinaloa? I've watched him play before. <laughs> Sorry, Saranona. Uh, so I was like, Sinona, There you go. There's a commentary <laughs> for the, uh, production. That's Sky Sports special pronunciation. Yeah, so um, I thought he was good. I saw him as an assist against Plymouth. Um, he's quite young. Um, I had him on a list of players that I thought would be interesting to get at some point. Um, what, how has he been this season? Has he, can he get the balls in for Grig from wide? Because I've seen, yeah. Uh, go, on, go on, Ross, you take it away. Um, Saranona's been hit and miss recently. Obviously, um, off the pitch, he's had uh, contract issues um, for one reason or another. And he, Russ um, has even admitted he's had his head turned and it's affected him on the pitch. But um, I think it was just after the new year, Russ gave him a clean slate and he had a few games where um, I believe he got um, two assists in one game and he started to really show his potential and he has got it in him. Um but we've got another option in Danny Harvey and he's something else at the moment. And for Sorinola, obviously, the contract out up in the summer, it, it doesn't make sense to play him at the moment in my eyes. And um, I think Russ, obviously, and you've even mentioned it, we need to look towards next season. And if we're going to develop as a team, it's probably best off we play uh, Harvey there. That makes sense, yeah. But um, he was really good on Tuesday. I thought Matty Sorinola, he's probably our best player, to be honest. Uh, in a pretty pretty dire performance, second half wise, he he had Regan Paul, our former player, on toast for most of the game. So, yeah, he's he certainly got talent. So hopefully, we can keep him uh, for next season because we can redo with him, to be honest. Yeah, cool. Uh, do you want me to go with my one then, Liam? Shall I fire yeah, sure, away go for it. Yeah. One? All right, cool. So, Pompey will play Craig McGivery in goal. Um, and then at left back, Lee Brown is injured at the moment, which means that Charlie Daniels had to step in. He doesn't look good going forward and his touch has been awful on the ball. He did get a goal the other day, a little cheeky header in the 90th minute nearly it was. Uh, but he is good from dead balls, good from free kicks, corners, but he's too old, I think, in normal play, um, especially to play consistently at the moment. So that would be a bit of space at left back. If you want to put someone on the right side, who's got some pace, they should be able to, to get round there on Charlie Daniels, especially on the overlap. And if Pompey do commit players forward, which they will do to try and get out of wide positions through triangles to get the ball forward, that involves both left and right backs being active and moving forward. So you've got that uh, in the center. You've got Jack Watmore, good player. He'll be playing alongside Sean Raggett. There's always the chance that Rasmus Nikolaisen could come in, but I don't think that's the right time. The guy on loan from FC Michelland over in Denmark at the moment. Uh, and, and at right back, I think we'll, we'll start Callum Johnson. Now he's back as well. Great player. One of the best players we've had this season. Picked up from Atkinson Stanley. Likes to get the ball forward, going, can pass well, can cross, but also gets back and tracks back defensively, responsibly. I think it's really what you want in a League One right back or, or there, really, with him. 
And then, as I mentioned already, you've got Ben Close and Todd Naylor in the centre of midfield. Potential for Andy Cannon to come in if you want someone to carry the ball forward more. So Andy Cannon will get the ball and, and carry it forward more and try and beat players in that sense, rather than Ben Close, who's going to try and play through teams. So if you see Andy Cannon play start in the middle, expect it to be more of a combative performance in that sense. And that would be interesting to see. On the left-hand side, we'll have running Curtis playing. Michael Jacobs is out injured for the rest of the season. Um, he was looking good at left. So it sort of meant Ronan could push a bit further forward as well, actually, especially with John Marcus out. We've had to play it when we've had to put Ronan Curtis up front, but it's got a couple of goals from it and look good. The Republic of Ireland International. And then on, on the right-hand side, they'll probably play Marcus Harness or Ryan Williams. They seem quite interchangeable at the moment on how they play it. I'd rather see Williams on the right-hand side. That'd be the smart move. He presses a lot, very quick in the sense of getting on people. Not much end product. Not he does score some goals. He had scored a goal a few a few weeks ago, but generally he's not got that much in product. So up top, I'd expect Marcus to be playing off John Marquis. So Marcus Harness off John Marquis. Uh, let's get that tongue twister there. But it's a very fluid system where you could see Williams and Harness changing, changing or whatever. So it's a fluid front four effectively. Um, apart from John Marquis, who's not going to jog back to the wing. You mentioned about a left-hand side, and we've got the perfect player in terms of pace of Ethan Laird, who's from Manchester United. So, yeah, I've heard of yeah the young, young against the old, so that could be interested in terms of a battle. But uh, I'm sure to the fielders will. That, that could happen, though. It could be that Danny Cowley's smart and puts Harvey White at left-back uh, to try and combat that. Now, Harvey White's on loan from Tottenham at the moment. Um, he's, made, he's made a first-team appearance with them off the bench. He's generally a centre midfielder. So it would be a cane to bring in someone like Closey for it. However, he's played left back and left wing back as well. And he has played left midfield for us. I think that's a smart move. If, if, if it looks good on the training ground, move Harvey White into left back to combat your right midfielder. So if he does, if he does start with Harvey White, you'll know that that's the reason why. Yeah, case okay. so he's a smart man. So I'm sure he'll make a note of that and uh, address it for sure. Got to text him, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. I say he follows you now, doesn't he? So drop a little message. <laughs> Bombarding with the other 2,000 Portsmouth fans. Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's say round off our score predictions. Um, I'll start off with yourself, Ross. How do you see uh, Saturday lunchtime going against Pompey? Yeah, I completely forgot it's, lunch. it's been rescheduled to lunch. Um, it has, yeah. I'm expecting a reaction from Don's. It's not often we get walked off the park at home. Um so I'm expecting I'm expecting a, f- a fighting performance, um, and I've gone with a one-all only because of obviously um, we've mentioned that obviously Pompey have have had their problems up top trying to score goals etc. Um, but we've also had our problems in recent games not creating enough. So I do feel like it's going to be a tight game. Um, so yeah, so I've gone with a one-all. Okay, um, I've got along similar thoughts, but. With my introduction of Kaz in the midfield, um, I think it gives us a bit more uh, than what maybe Pompey have. So I've gone 2 1 Dons. Um, affected a bit more of a fight, to be honest. Uh, the second half of the, uh, on Tuesday night was not very good, to be honest. I think everyone can agree with that. So Russ, I say Russell get the uh, the war chest out, I think, and um, get him playing well again, as he typically does when we have a bad performance. Uh, we've seen it a few months ago. We'll see it again, I think. And uh, unfortunately, for Hugh's sake, Dampy, or Dampen, sorry, uh, Pompey's playoff chances. Okay, Hugh, so uh, a point and three points from myself and Ross. How do you see Saturday going from Pompey's point of view? That's a difficult one. After four straight wins, we then get a, a loss and a draw. And I think that could have beaten crew, could have taken chances there. That was a game that, you know, you need to try and... It's the reason why we're in a playoff position now rather than any further up the, up the pack. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Pompey win, although I've flagged this game as the most dangerous game we've got for the rest of the season. Um, so I could easily see it swinging round to, to yours, Ross, all at yours, Liam's predictions. Um, this is a really tough game for Pompey, who don't really play well against teams often who play three at the back and play out. But all the rules are changed under Cowley, so we'll see how it goes. I've gone for Pompey edging it just to make things interesting because I made that up on the spot. Pompey 2-1 uh, win for me. Yeah, it's looking at the schedule, actually. Um, not looking too bad. Obviously, AC Wimbledon could be quite a tough game. They're hitting form now, and of course, they'll be wanting to get some points. But apart from that, you know, Bristol Rovers, Accrington, and and uh, action again, sorry, uh, the final day. So, yeah, it's not too bad, apart from apart from us. 
Yeah, no, I do think they're the best team we've got left to play. So, you know, let's batter you 4-1. Change my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Hugh, for once again coming on to the podcast. And if you want to plug anything, uh, feel free. Yeah, um, if anything Pompey related, follow us at Pompey News Now uh, and at PO Forecast. Um, we've got about eight to ten, I suppose, depending on how many people actually you can credit to it, of us working on the site together. So we put out weekly podcasts, uh, weekly articles as well. And obviously you can find us on FanHub as well. Yeah, the lovely fan hub. So if you're not on that already, please get on it. It's excellent. And I believe the uh, the the waiting list or the queue is uh, being cancelled on Friday. So it's a perfect time to join and get to the access the app straight away. That's it. You don't have to wait for any of us mugs to give you a, a ticket code, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that brings us to the end of episode 46 of the MQ1 podcast. Um, as always, if you really, if you could subscribe. And as always, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.